This is the Australian Hiker Podcast, your go-to resource for all things hiking in Australia and your Southern Hemisphere perspective on overseas hiking. This is episode 85 of the Australian Hiker Podcast, and in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about Australia's iconic hiking trails. Now, if you've been looking through a number of hiking magazines or searching the web, you'll find that there's a series of tracks or trails in Australia that consistently come up. Uh, You can't, you know, if you spend a half an hour or an hour on the internet, you can't help but come across some of these tracks. So in this week's episode, we're going to be looking at these iconic hiking trails uh, that tend to vary in length, that each have their own unique and special features that make people want to walk them, uh, and that you will often see images of in both magazines, in international and national level advertising. So whether it's the desert, the mountains, or the lush foliage, there's something about them that sets them apart. So the following list of seven trails are all under 150 kilometres and due to their iconic nature are known worldwide. Now, while this list is not exhaustive, uh, no one can argue that the trails we're going to talk about don't deserve a place on the list. So we're going to be looking at these trails in alphabetical order. Now, the first track we're going to talk about is the Cape to Cape track in Western Australia. This track is 135 kilometres long, uh, and you can walk this track either from a southerly or a northerly direction, uh, and with the two trailheads being at Cape Naturalist and Cape Lewin um, on the southern western coast of uh, Western Australia. This trail can be walked year-round, um, but there is a fire risk, as, as there is in a lot of the Western Australian trails during the hotter months. So you do want to be careful about um, uh, keeping an eye about what the weather conditions are. And I must admit, this is a comment that I'd probably say applies for just about all the trails we're going to look at today. The walking time for this trail is somewhere between about five to eight days, and you certainly can do it quicker or slower, depending on how uh, hard you want to push yourself, but the, 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 the average is in that five to eight, eight day period. Now, this trail is probably one of the best known trails in Western Australia. Uh, this along with the, uh, the thousand kilometer Bibbleman track hike. Um, and it is located in the Margaret River region, which is one of the better known wine regions in Australia. Well, that's a good reason to do this one. (laughs) It is, it is. Now, much of this trail hugs the coast between Cape Lewin in the south and Cape Naturalist in the north uh, for the entire distance, but it does actually have sections that go inland to provide a bit of variety. Um, But really, at all stages, you are reasonably close, either either on the coast or reasonably close to the coast. And this track is considered challenging. The second track we're going to look at today is... The Fraser Island Great Walk. Now, over the last few years, um, the Aboriginal name has become more pro- more prominent. Um, so this is also known as the Kagari Great Walk. Uh, and you'll find over the next few years that this will be the name that takes over. It's a bit like uh, 
we used to call uh, Uluru Ayers Rock a number of years ago, and we're progressively changing towards the Indigenous name. This track is 90 kilometres long. Um, it's in Queensland. Uh, the start point um, is Dilly Village, uh, and the end point is Happy Valley Village. Now, this track is a permitted track that can be walked year-round, but what you'll find is due to the fire risks, you can't make advanced bookings in December and January. So if you want to hike it at that time of the year, you have to actually contact the park service much closer to see what the conditions are like and see if there are sections of the trail that are closed. Now, this track takes around about six to eight days to walk. Um, and it's located, as I said, on Kigari, also known as Fraser Island, which is the world's largest sand island. Um, this is a World Heritage Area. The walk takes advantage of the spectacular beach and rainforest areas of this, this World Heritage property and provides stunning views. There are also a number of shorter walks uh, that add to this trail, and there are some options to, to, as far as which direction you, you actually head. So as I said, the 90 kilometres is an approximate distance. Now the campsites need to be booked, and the cost is fairly minimal here. Um, and this trail is rated easy. The third track we're going to look at is the Chipbula Trail. Uh, and this is a 62-kilometre trail located in the Northern Territory. Now, the start point is at Nimalak Gorge Visitor Centre, uh, and the end point is in Lewin, or uh, at either the falls. Now, this track does actually limit the number of starting people per day, and that's actually 15. And one of the things I find with this track is it's one of these funny tracks that while it is well-known worldwide, people tend not to talk about it very much, and the reason is because of the sheer popularity. Now, when I went through and tried to put the information together on this, um, this is one of the tracks on my bucket list, and I thought I'll look and see what times of the year uh, people are booking. Um, and this is November when we're recording this podcast. Um, and the only time or the next time that I could get two spaces available on this track was in late September, which is 10 months from now. And I have actually had friends do this hike, and they've had the same sort of situation that they've booked it many months in advance. So, um, and I think one of the things with this track, even though it is a permitted track, the cost is fairly minimal. It's around about uh, just under $15 per person. So it's not like a lot of the more expensive trails that tend to limit the number of people that do it. So if you want to go through and do the Jabula Trail, you really do need to be thinking many, many months, if not 12 months in advance, uh, and, as, you know, and go and check as you get closer to the times, and as soon as... Uh, the availability comes up, book it straight away. You know, worst case is, you know, if you don't, if you decide not to go on the trip, you end up losing, you know, your booking fee, which is fifteen dollars a person. Now, this trail is rated medium to hard, um, and again, we've had friends that have done this. Uh, we we haven't, um, and they they rave about it. It was they said it was such a wonderful track, and I must admit, from my perspective, I prefer do prefer the desert environments. So this is certainly one that I'll go through and do in the next couple of years. 
So the next uh, track trail that we're going to look at is the Kangaroo Island Wilderness Trail. And I have to say that for me, this is probably one of my uh, favourites, um, certainly at the moment. It's a distance of 61 kilometres. It's in uh, South Australia, Kangaroo Island in South Australia. The start point is Flinders Chase National Park Visitors Centre uh, and the end point is Kelly Hill Caves. You can walk this trail year round. Um, the weather does get quite wild and woolly during the winter so you are walking along uh, cliff tops and uh, even in mild weather the wind definitely gets up. So think about it if you're actually going to uh, plan to do it during the winter months and of course if you're doing it during summer it gets pretty hot and pretty pretty warm as well. We uh, now we did this trail um, uh, at the end of two thousand and seventeen, um, and it, again it was pretty hot. But one of the issues that we had was um, uh, we had a, a ranger turn up uh, on the first evening uh, after we'd had dinner and put signage up saying no stoves at all, and this was including gas stoves. So for the next two nights, we weren't able to cook meals or have a cup of tea or hot tea or coffee. Uh, so if you are doing it during the very hot months, this is something you do need to consider. Yeah, and the other thing to consider is that um, you do need to book uh, for this trail um, and there are limitations on the number of people that they will allow to start. Um, it's a great trail, um, lots of wildlife. Um, Kangaroo Island is renowned for its quite large koalas um, and you'll certainly see some of those. Um, and when we were doing it, there were lots and lots and lots of goanna sightings along the way. Um, the most difficult part of this trail is the logistics of actually getting to Kangaroo Island. Uh, so that can be uh, a little bit uh, tricky. Um, so check out our links uh, for more details on that. Um, this trail has some really good campsite facilities and uh, including communal eating areas, um, toilet blocks, uh, as well as dedicated uh, tent platforms and um, beds uh, to put your tent up in. So really very well done and uh, quite new, um, but definitely uh, worth a look. My comment on this one as well is, as Jill said, the facilities are excellent. And this trail, the thing I thought about when we did this trail is this trail has been designed by someone who is actually a hiker. They've thought about uh, where the facilities go. So the kitchen areas are away from the sleeping areas, which are away from the toilet facilities. So it means that people can be down making a bit of noise uh, down in the kitchen areas and they're not going to disturb people up in their tents sleeping. Uh, and again, the toilet facilities are well enough away, so they're not going to impact uh, on the kitchen facilities or on the sleeping areas as well. So uh, I want, the, the other thing I would say about this track is if you're looking at doing a multi-day trail and you've never done one before, this is the trail to choose. It, it is really well designed for newer hikers. It's not difficult. Um, the hardest part is, part is one of the beach walks. Uh, but otherwise, very good trail uh, for beginner hikers as well as experienced hikers as well. So the next trail we're going to look at is the Overland Track. Uh, the Overland Track is a distance of uh, 65 kilometres and it is in Tasmania. 
Um, the start point is Cradle Mountain and the end point is Lake St. Clair. Uh, you can walk this trail year round. Uh, however, only experienced hikers uh, should attempt the walk during the colder months uh, the, because the snow can get quite heavy. Uh, permits are required for most of the year. Walking time will take you about six to eight days. This is probably one of the best known walking trails in Australia and it does seem to be on everybody's list of must-do trails. Yeah, one thing you'll find if you um, if you ever go through and do the Overland Track, as I said, it is probably the track that everyone wants to do. Um, it used to be an unpermitted track a number of years ago, and at that stage, the uh, the parks people were saying they were getting at about eight and a half thousand people a year hiking this trail. Uh, and the thing that changed this into a permitted trail was they had one night where 200 people turned up to the Whoa. first campsite. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, you, you you need to spread the love out a bit. Um, it's, you know, you, you're going to end up destroying the trail with that many people on it at once. Uh, so this way you're having a certain number of people starting every day. There's an interesting thing about the Overland um, track because there are an increasing number of uh, boardwalks that are being um uh, built, uh, put in place uh, to protect the environment, and uh, it does create quite a little, quite quite a bit of uh, uh, debate uh, among hikers about whether that's a good thing or not, um, because the boardwalking does make it quite uh, an easier walk in in many res- respects. Um, but the most important thing is it does protect the environment and we should appreciate it for that. If you go through and have a look at the website for this track, and we will we'll post the, the links on the written version of this podcast, um, you, can't, you, 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 you wouldn't be forgiven for thinking you're going to die on this track. Reading the website, there are so many, you need to do this, you need to do that, this is the gear you have to have, lots of warnings. Um, and I think... The trail, if you read the website, appears to be something that's really difficult and complex. And it's you know it's not an easy track. It is actually classed as a um, as a, a hard trail. But I think because so many people do this track, and particularly people who have never done an overnight track, will choose to do this as their first track. Uh, and I think the website's designed to make sure that if that happens, you at least have the appropriate amount of gear, you've been warned, you know what to expect, and they give you as much information as possible. But it, it's while the track can be difficult, and certainly if you do it in the, the colder months when there is snow on the trail, uh, it's a different sort of track altogether. But it's not as difficult as the website would make it out to be. No, I don't think it is, uh, but I think – the changeable weather conditions make it um, a challenge. So you know, it, some of the walking is 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 hard. Some of the days can be a little bit long. Um, there's an interesting thing that happens at the visitor centre at the departure point. Um, you get quizzed on the gear that you have, and and the rangers will check out bits of your gear to make sure that um, you've got all the right bits and you appear at least, to know what you're doing. So um, they've obviously been caught uh, with people who have been very inexperienced and or very unprepared, so they just want to make sure. 
Okay, so still staying in Tasmania, we're going to look at the South Coast track next. Now, the South Coast track is 84 kilometres. Um, again, as I said, still in Tasmania. And it starts at a place called Melaleuca and finishes at Cockle Creek. You can walk this trail year-round, um, but the recommended walking times are between December and March, and it's a six- to eight-day walk, uh, and again, rated hard. This is a more, much more re- remote area of Tasmania than the Overland Track. Um, up until probably 10, 15 years ago, it was only the really experienced hikers that tend to do this. Now it's, while it's not as popular as the Overland Track, the, the numbers have increased quite dramatically over the last few years. And unfortunately with that, the damage to the trail itself is, uh, uh, from the excess uses is being quite impactful. So there is consideration within uh, the Tasmanian Park Service about whether they start putting in boardwalks uh, and huts in some areas just to go through and protect the trail. Or the other option is to go through and, and permit it and limit the number of people that can start each day. Um, because you've only got to look at uh, some of the photos that you'll find online and you end up with these big muddy sections of trail because so many people have gone through. But you know, it's um, it's one that's become more and more popular. If you want to do it in its natural state, I'd probably suggest doing it over the next five to ten years because, as I said, it's likely to be a bit more um, pristine or, or a bit more uh, um, modern with boardwalks and things uh, in the next few years. Still in Tasmania again. This is our uh, our last track we're going to talk about. There's a bit of a theme here, yeah, isn't there? All the best here. walking seems to be in Tasmania, some might say. Um, and the Three Capes track is one of Australia's newest hiking trails, um, that along with uh, the Kangaroo Island Wilderness Trail. This trail only opened a few years ago. It's 48 kilometres in distance, so it's, it's the shortest of all the tracks we've looked at today. Um, and the track uh, can be walked year-round um, and takes around about four days. Now, this track uh, is... Iconic for a number of reasons, and that's because the infrastructure and facilities are spectacular. They spent approximately around about $25 million on the, on building this track, and partly it's to give good facilities. It's also to make sure you don't spread dieback disease all through the landscape. So a lot of the actual hike itself is on boardwalks. Um, as a result, this is a permitted track. There are a limited number of people per day that can go. Uh, and it is Australia's dearest public walking track. So the fee per hiker is just under $500 per person. I think it's about $495 per person. Um, As I said, this fee goes to maintaining the track, uh, and they are considering extending the track and making it longer over the next couple of years. And it's funny because that, you know, you'd think that something that expensive, you know, that's quite a bit of money to to go hiking for four days, um, might not be particularly popular, but uh, it is. So people don't mind spending uh, $500 uh, to walk that trail and uh, it's booked out well in advance. So that's the other thing to to think about certainly the uh, the peak times and the holi- holiday times book up very quickly. I must admit this this was going to be our Christmas hike this year, uh, and I looked at it before I went off on my Bibbulmun track hike. I thought I must 
book that when I get back in, in early September, and it was too late. So, you know, lesson learned for next time. Um, really, you, you, particularly if you're booking out, you know, during the, the busy holiday periods, um, you probably want to be looking at at least four to five months out, if not longer, to get the time frames that you want. Uh, so, yeah, just spectacular coastal views, spectacular scenery, uh, and I haven't seen a bad thing written about this track uh, any, in, in any blog or post or magazine. It really has become uh, one of the, the iconic trails of Australia. Okay, so as we've said, we've picked seven trails through here, and I'm sure other people will be thinking, but what about this track? What about that track? And there are lots of other tracks that could potentially go into this list. As I said, we've picked these trails uh, because these are the ones that people know overseas. They're well-recognized, they're well-known. People in Australia and people overseas know them very well. In episode 64 of this podcast, we talked about Australia's long-distance hiking trails, and that included things like Larapinta Trail and the Bibbulmun Track. Now, the Larapinta Trail is over 220 kilometres, so we, we drew an arbitrary figure on this one uh, looking at trails under 150 kilometres. So certainly, trails like Larapinta and the Bibbulmun, which is 1,000 kilometres long, uh, again, I'd class those as iconic trails, but they're in a different sort of category. They tend to be a much longer, uh, and if you're doing them all in one go, a much higher level of experience required. Okay, so the next of our regular segments is hiking news. Uh, and in this segment, one of the things that um, has occurred over the last month is there's been a couple of deaths um, and at least one of these was a hiker um, uh, through dehydration. Um, and it's we're getting to the time of the year where uh, it, it's starting to get fairly hot. Um, certainly in, in, in Eastern Australia this year, it has been very dry. Uh, and in fact, the major, I think the entirety of New South Wales is classed as being in drought. Um, and... Um, Certainly in our local area here, one of the walks I do a number of times a week, I've done this walk for the last 40 years and I've never seen it this dry. Um, yeah, We've been getting a tiny bit of rain over the last day or so, mm. but it's not enough to actually green things up. Yeah, well, and you know, even the, you know, the trees are barely leafed uh, on this particular walk that we do um, and there's just no undergrowth. So, you know, as Tim said, I've never seen it like this either. Um, so, you know, the plants are definitely suffering, the the landscape is suffering and uh, we have to remember um, we might be suffering too in that kind of uh, dryness and that uh, that kind of heat. So I think the, uh, the thing to consider here is when you do out for a walk, uh, whether it be a one kilometre walk or a 30 or 40 kilometre walk, make sure you have enough water. Um, and if you plan on topping up water somewhere along the trail, make sure that you know that it is actually there. We did have a walk about four years ago where I was concerned about a potential lack of water due to the drought we had at that time. So I was carrying much more water than I normally would. And as it turned out, it wasn't necessary. Uh, but um, certainly at the moment, the way the, the conditions are so dry, um, it's worthwhile making that you carry enough water and you drink enough water through the day. 
Yeah, and I think that's the important part. Um, you know, I find that some people tend to to stop and then load up on the water, um, which you know might be okay um, if they've been drinking during the day as well. So, um, you know, anything you don't need, you you will um, excrete. But uh, if you're loading up on water. Uh, when you're already dehydrated, it's going to be really, really difficult to absorb that water and you're probably not going to feel so good um, either. If you've uh, developed a headache, that's a bit of a clue that it's already a bit too late. Now, that's all for this week's episode. Uh, I'd just like to let you know, for those of you that aren't aware, that we're coming up to Australian Hikers' second birthday and the podcast next week, uh, and we will be having weekly podcasts this month, uh, is... Uh, a review of how we've gone in our second year and where we're heading to. Um, I will be announcing a series of competitions next week. Um, So if you haven't already done so, go through and subscribe to our newsletter, either through Facebook or on our website, uh, to give yourself extra opportunities to win some great prizes. As always, this episode can be listened to through uh, our website at australianhiker.com.au through SoundCloud, through Stitcher. We are now on Spotify and also on iTunes. If you have the chance, please go through and rate us on iTunes to help get the message out there. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me. This is the Australian Hiker Podcast your go-to resource for Australian hiking and <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> this is the Australian Hiker Podcast. Your God... <laughs> God.